So I'm a little curious for those of you who were here at the beginning. How was it to hear those five subjects for frequent recollection? I am of the nature to age, I am of the nature to sicken, I am of the nature to die, I'm going to lose everything. All I have is my karma at the beginning. Did it do anything to your intention for practice? Yes, no, you hated it, you loved it. <laughs> Diana. Um, yeah, because I've been sick for a couple of weeks, it really brought up that kind of fear of dying. Uh-huh. And um, it's something that I always try to avoid focusing on. Um, uh-huh. But when it, so when it comes up, <laughs> and then you just, you know, I was coming to get all relaxed, and then you had to bring it up. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Could you hear that? She was coming to get relaxed, and then I had to bring it up. <laughs> so I, I, I kind of, um, you know, used it as an opportunity to kind of look at the fact that, you know, I am dying, and uh, that's an opportunity to actually really embrace what's in front of me all the time, which oh. kind of helped my mantra stay on that track. Uh-huh, okay. Could you all hear that, mostly? Yeah? No. No? But she was saying that she'd come <laughs> sick and sort of prepared to relax, and this is not her favorite subject. And it um, sharpened things up a little bit. Yeah. There was another hand over here someplace. Please, Denny. Um, every morning before I begin my job, I have a, um, I consider it almost a prayer, um, but the word is a little differently. And it's about not being able to escape going old, not being able to escape going old, uh-huh. or dying. And the thing has already changed. Really set the tone for my day with the idea of being alive while I'm doing and being mindful of what I'm doing as well. Uh-huh. So as a part of my practice is what I Great. Wonderful. Alex. Axel. Axel. <laughs> I got my L's and my X's mixed up here. Uh, for me it's a reminder to be it's a reminder to be in the present moment, because uh-huh. that's all we have. The present moment is all we have. Great, now I don't have to give the talk. Heidi. Well, it seems very timely to me with, you know, Halloween and all saints, all soul saints. Uh-huh. Just focusing on the inevitability and our, our mortality. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember some time ago somebody saying to me, a woman who had been a hospice nurse, and she said, it was really quite amazing to her how many people didn't realize that they were here until they were told that they weren't going to be here. And that when that moment comes, when you get that information, it can um, do some very interesting things to your practice. So I want to say a little bit about some of these, and then we'll have some time for some more comments if any of you didn't get to say what you wanted to say. So, as I look around the room, we're actually quite an interesting mix of ages. We've got some young people and some 
middle-aged people and some older people. But I was interested, actually, in how Diana said it, that, that we are all of us aging, every one of us, and we are, in fact, all of us dying. And, of course, the aging thing in our culture is not very popular, except in commercials where you have beautiful white hair that's blowing in the wind and preferably you're on a motorcycle or something like that or hiking, you know, in a strenuous way or whatever it is that one is doing. And um, having just this, in this last couple of weeks, celebrated yet another birthday, the 68th one, um, you know, it's pretty obvious to me that I haven't gone beyond aging although the interesting thing is of course I'm, I'm sure all of you know this does it feel any different inside really you know not really you still feel like you right and and so then there's that place where well I still feel like me but then my body won't do quite what it used to do or it hurts more or you know I get tired or, or whatever it is that's happening and that place where, where it really becomes apparent that we are of the nature to age, it's not a mistake. All the commercials, of course, would have you believe that it's kind of a mistake. And if you could only do a certain amount of exercise or eat the right kind of food or whatever, then at the very least you could delay it. And preferably it won't happen at all. And the Buddha, you know, in saying this and in it, and mm-hmm. the monks and the nuns in chanting it every day, it's like saying, yes, every day I am aging. Every day it's changing. Every day I am one step closer towards the end of my life. And really putting ourselves right in the heart of that truth that we are, it is our nature to arise and it is our nature to pass away. And just as it's our nature to age, it's also our nature to sicken. So again, and it's sort of interesting actually, I hadn't thought about it until just now, here we are with all this fuss about the flu, right, And, and worry and concern as though somehow this was a mistake that had never happened before. And it's not. It's, it's one more somewhat difficult disease that's going through, that's attacking a lot of people. And it is in our very nature to get sick and to suffer with it. And so any one of us you know, can have that moment in the middle of the day when all of a sudden you go, oh, I think I'm coming down with something. And by bedtime, you're really sick. Or, or you walk into your doctor's office and you sit down and he or she says, well, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but... And then we hear whatever difficult diagnosis it is that we hear. And that's part of the human condition. And, and I think some of what happens as we begin to work with these things as, the, as though this is how it is, is that it becomes much more obvious that this is something we have to practice with. Each one of these is actually a teacher. Your aging is a teacher. 
Your aging is your teacher. Every time something shifts in your body and you think, oh, look at that, I really am getting older, or oh, look at that, I really am sick. There's a wonderful practice that suggests that every time you get a little bit sick, you use it as a chance to practice for being a lot sick. And because one of these days, it's fairly likely before you die that you will be a lot sick. And and this sickness and old age and the next one, death, if you remember, are also what the Buddha refers to, or not the Buddha, but the tradition, because these are the heavenly messengers that woke him up in order to bring him to full enlightenment. These are the things that he saw, and he went, oh, could that happen to me? And the answer is, yes, you are of the nature to age and to sicken. And that's what brought him to his his journey and to his waking up. So they're very, very important events, and they're not something that... Um, we should try to avoid at all costs because then you don't get that teaching. We are... Also, I think, when we remember, you know, if you look around the room and you look at all of these vulnerable, fragile beings who are sitting in here with you, every one of us getting older... Every one of us could sicken. Any one of us could get badly hurt between now and the end of these 24 hours because that's the nature of these bodies. You know, I've often reflected on that little fact that I picked up somewhere that you know, there's so many places in the body where if you hit it just right, that's the end, you die. You know? It's very easy to get badly injured in this body. It's also a remarkable, remarkably flexible and tough body in other ways. But, but just holding our own vulnerability and the awareness of another's vulnerability is also one of those practices that really opens up the heart. So then, I am of the nature to die. I have not gone beyond dying. There's a wonderful poem from W.S. Merwin and he says every year without knowing it I have passed the day when the last fires will wave to me and the silence will set out tireless traveler like the beam of a lightless star then I will no longer find myself in life as in a strange garment so Every year, every year, you pass the anniversary of your death. You don't know which day it is, right? I don't know which day it is, but every year we go by it. And that's a, that's a reminder that this is, this is something, again, that can happen at any time. I've noticed recently... My husband and I have talked about this a lot because he's a bit younger than I am, but we're both getting older. And it's fairly obvious, unless something dire happens, that we're likely to be together for the long run, for one of us will be present at the death of the other. Now that sounds kind of like 
that's not very much fun to talk about, right? But the truth of it is, it brings so much sweetness to our relationship. There's something really wonderful about knowing that that profoundly impacts how we are together. And I would suggest to you that that's true in all kinds of situations. It's not just true in an intimate relationship. That when we remember, as Danny said a few minutes ago, that place where we remember every day you know, that we are of the nature to die. And any day, you could die. You know, People fall over with a more alarming frequency and sometimes without any warning. I've come to say when I hear about somebody who, who does that, oh, one of those. When I first heard of somebody dying suddenly when I was, I don't know, in my 30s, I thought it was horrifying and it didn't happen very often. But I'm here to tell you it does happen and it happens fairly often. People just die. We know, we don't know. You don't know. And so when we live our lives with that kind of intensity of this could be it, this could be the life. The Buddha says, all you know is that if you have taken an in-breath, you will breathe an out-breath. That's about as much security as you've got. Everything else, is a, it's a good bet that there might be a breath after that, probably for every one of us here but it's not guaranteed. And so to allow that to inform our lives really allows it to bring us right into the present moment. So then the next, all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. So this is what really inspired this talk tonight. Because I'm just back from teaching down in Mississippi, about an hour east of New Orleans, in the exact spot where Katrina came ashore. And um, I haven't been there. I've taught there a lot, but I haven't been there since the storm. And the first night, we were setting up our little tiny retreat. We had 12 people plus me um, in this Catholic retreat center that wasn't so sure that they wanted a group of Buddhists. So we um, we decided that we would let an image of Our Lady of Guadalupe be the Buddha so that we didn't offend anyone. We thought it was nice, kind of nice to have the enlightened feminine there. And um, we had some plastic tables in front of her with a, c- a couple of candles and like the ones we have in the library and some flowers. And I thought, gee, it would be really nice to have kind of a cover, you know, it's just a plastic table. So the woman who was organizing the retreat was about to go off to her house to get something, and I said, would you bring back a tablecloth? And she said, I don't have any tablecloths. They all went in the storm. And I said, well, what about a placemat? No, I don't have any of those either. Everything went. Can you imagine? There are so many families and houses there. There are, there's lot after lot after lot, dozens of lots, with nothing left but a foundation. Nothing. It all went in one big push as the storm and the water came ashore. It's very, very profound to visit there and to see a place so utterly changed and to spend time with people whose lives are so utterly changed because of it. And 
I pondered that a lot because we have the sense of the importance of our stuff, right? Every one of us has stuff. You all have your stuff. You have your clothes. You have your favorite pillow. You know, I know so many people, myself included, who I go off to a retreat. What do I take? My pillow under one arm and my favorite little comforter under the other. You know, it's like my blankie, right? I can't be without it. We have to have our stuff. And and one of my teachers used to say to us, he said, you know, when you die, you don't get to take your jammies and you don't get to have your pillow. And we kind of lose that. But you know, you don't even have to wait till you die because... Things happen, and all of our stuff disappears. We just had the 20th anniversary of the earthquake here, right? People also lost their homes and lost everything in that event. And so it's reminding us that, you know, and and I think so important in our culture where we are so focused on the acquisition. I mean, how many catalogs do you get in your mail? You know, I get endless catalogs in my mail and and just inspiring us all you know hoping that you will look at it and then be filled with lust for stuff and order it up all that is mine beloved and pleasing will become otherwise will become separated from me so then it goes on to say I am the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, born of my karma, related to my karma, abide supported by my karma. Whatever karma I shall do, for good or for ill, of that I shall be the heir. So the word karma actually means action. So karma is about your actions and the reverberation of your actions. So that way in which our actions reverberate through our lives, sometimes for a very long time. Sometimes for a very, very long time. And of course, some actions by some people, I always think of the Buddha when I think of this, reverberate for a very, very long time. You know, the Buddha lived and taught 2,500 years ago in northern India, and here we are in Santa Cruz in 2009, still doing something because he taught. That's pretty amazing when you think about it, that his actions reverberate that long. And so the Buddha is really saying, it's our actions and their reverberation. That's what is unique to us, nothing else. And that's all that you have, and that's what informs your being as long as you're here you, you keep living out the reverberation of your actions and, of course, the places where you're caught in the reverberations of other people's actions. And then even after you, who have the nature to die, disappear, some of those reverberations may go on for a while in the lives of your children or your family or your friends or in some fairly unusual circumstances like that of the life of the Buddha in the, the culture in which you live. And so that's the place that we can give some attention. Knowing that we are of the nature to age and to sicken and to die, the important thing that we have, that we can work with and make some difference with, is how do you choose to act? 
how do you choose to act? Is what I am about to do a skillful and helpful act, or is it not? Every action you could ask that question for. That's really the question. Is this useful? Is it harmful? Is it beneficial? Or is it not? And as we live out our way, our lives in a way that is kind and non-harming and helpful and all of those things, then the Buddha suggests that you actually live in that reverberation and it, it informs your being. It doesn't mean that you won't suffer. There aren't any guarantees about that. But that, that it nonetheless um, creates a, um, a kind of a channel for your being that will be helpful to you, even under difficult circumstances. So that's a very interesting thing to remember, that all we have is our karma. All we have is this very present moment and the actions of this very present moment. So then the last line is, thus we should frequently recollect. So, you know, to take this practice and to use it as part of your daily practice is really a wonderful thing. And to remind yourself each day, oh yes, I am aging, I could sicken, I could die. Everything that is mine could be gone. All I have is my karma. You know, that's that's a way to kind of bring ourselves back onto track over and over and over again. So I think I'll read you a poem from Denise Levertov as well, and then we'll have some more conversation about this. She calls this living. The fire in leaf and grass, so green it seems each summer the last summer. The wind blowing, the leaves shivering in the sun, each day the last day. A red salamander, so cold and so easy to catch, dreamily moves his delicate feet and long tail. I hold my hand open for him to go, each minute the last minute. So, further questions, comments, wonderings, how to use this practice, please. Well, I just, it just made me <coughs> remember this um, one exercise that we did at Spirit Rock, I think it was at the, uh, the Line Benefit, Stephen and Brandon Line Benefit, and the, uh, I guess he's the director of the San Francisco Zen Hospice uh-huh. Center. He had everybody, you know, get together in groups of about, you know, six or eight people. And then he would just randomly call out a month. And if that happened to be your birth month, then that meant that you were dead. And as soon as he called out, you know, your month, then you were supposed to, you know, if you were having a conversation with someone, you know, just stop it and you get up and go to the the dead group. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and he just, you know, over a period of time, he just, you know, kept calling all the months until eventually there was no one left. And we were all dead, standing there in front of the meadow. I remember um, my, t- my uh, month was called before Axel. 
and um, I don't remember if I was speaking or anything, but it's it, you know it's just you're not supposed to finish your sentence or say goodbyes because you you don't have the chance to do that really when it's lights out it's lights out. But I do remember um, being relieved that I went first and that he wasn't alone. That there were still other people there in, in his circle, mm, mm-hmm. but he wasn't alone. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. We're going through that process right now. Um, <clears throat> we don't know how much time we have for some of this does, but I'm watching my husband at 50 years slowly fading from his extremely vigorous life that he's had and always been a very outdoor man to quietly going inward and spending less and less time outdoors in the garden. More and more times being sedentary. Um, we went to Mammoth this last week to visit our kids up there knowing it would be the last trip to Mammoth because the altitude is too difficult for them. And it's also the place where we honeymoon. But I can attest to the fact that despite all the difficulty of this period, and it may last for a few more years, there is a sweetness there that's so incredibly wonderful. There is a deepening of love. There is a deepening of appreciation of one another. There is patience with one another's foibles and a real, genuine listening and so many wonderful things that happen. Mm. But there's no denying the fact that it is so difficult. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to me that I guess we don't do this so very well without that reminder. You know, one would think that we would want to live that way, just to do it, right? Yes. And we don't seem to be very good at that, most of us. Maybe a few of us, but most of us. It, that I think that's one of the things about this teaching, is it really sharpens up our attention. Yeah. Yeah. Please, I do. Well, I think that, that we forget that not only are we mortal and dying, but everyone, everyone. that we're facing... Mm-hmm. So if we remember every every person, every somebody I'm having an argument with has a fatal disease, they have life. And to remember that can make me more compassionate and forgiving and patient and listening to that person. And it's always true. It's always true. And actually, thank you for saying that, because what that reminds me of is it's actually one of the phrases in the practice for equanimity that when we're trying to have balance with someone who's difficult, one of the things, one of the phrases is everything and everyone who has the nature to arise has the nature to pass away. So this person who's being such a twit could be dead tomorrow. And that actually can help to go, oh, the heart opens a bit, there's a little easing, and then maybe some more skillful response. Yeah. It has been said that life is like setting out on a cruise ship 
only to sail out and sink. The love boat. The love boat, right? (laughs) Yeah, Axel. Um, I'm a volunteer grief counseling, and one of the things that we have to do for training, as part of the training, is there's a death and dying exercise. And uh, it's a, a, um, a set of questions you have to answer. And, and one of them is, is writing your own obituary. Uh-huh. What you want to be remembered for. Mm-hmm. And other parts of it is, you know, planning your own death. What kind of a death do you want and all that. <laughs> and it, it might sound creepy, but it, it's actually not. When you go through the exercises, it, it, it makes everything a lot lighter. After you're done with it, it's like okay, <clears throat> and you know it, it's we. There's a way of habituating, and, and the mind gets used to it and says, "Okay, well that's," uh, and then it becomes very vivid. Um, and the other thing I'm, I experienced from the grief counseling is because I, I you know go see uh, clients that that have lost their spouses. Um, on one hand, it's it, it's hard, but it does add a lot of sweetness to our relationship mm-hmm. because I'm reminded every time I go to do my grief counseling volunteer work that I, I don't know if Michelle's going to be around mm-hmm. the next day and what would it be like and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's not that you have to spend your time thinking about oh my god what would it be like and that's not the point the point, I think the point is it's a reminder to be in the present and just cherish what you have right there because it makes everything really vivid yeah. if you know that might be gone tomorrow. One more. Please, Shauna. I just wanted to share. Um, last week, my mom and her sister were talking. My aunt's, um, my aunt's 80, 85, and my mom's 82, and my mom has cancer and Parkinson's, and she's dying. And so they were talking last week, and they were talking about how they each wanted to die. And my aunt said she wanted to die in her sleep like her mother did. And then this morning she did, exactly like she mm. wanted. Mm. And mm. it was just, it was so beautiful that they got to talk about that uh-huh. and say what they wanted. Yeah. And um, it was just, I don't know, it was kind of remarkable. Uh-huh. So. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. That makes it pretty real. Thank you. Yeah. So maybe that's a good place to stop. If you would like to continue on Saturday, Sunday, after... So including, I guess, the morning set. Bob is teaching a day long on um, dying. It's on the board. But isn't he doing that at the cemetery? Oh, is he doing it at the cemetery? Okay, thank so you. the sit will be here. The sit is here. Bob's in the cemetery. Unfortunately, we are out of flyers. So um, there's one on the board if you want to check it. And then look on the website, and that will also have the information. So people have done this with him before. I did it, actually, um, some years ago. I don't know which cemetery he's using this time. 
the one across from um, Elks Club. From the Elks Club. Ocean yes. Uh-huh. Pardon? Ocean Street Extension, because yeah. we went to the one over by Harvey West, and there w- I found a Maria Orr, who was almost exactly 100 years young, older than I am. Wow. Amazing, huh? That was sobering, actually. Like, Wait a minute. <laughs> Who's there? Okay. Um, so that's on the first. And then um, on the third, which is Tuesday, there's another community meeting which is happening with the Tuesday group. Probably doesn't involve any of you particularly, but if you're interested to attend a community, community meeting, it will be happening at the sitting at noon. Um, and a chance to find out what's going on and to ask questions. Um, Two weeks from tonight, on the 12th of November, we are celebrating 20 years of Vipassana Santa Cruz. Mm -hmm. I don't know very much about what's happening. I don't know whether you want to say anything, Martin, or not, Um, but all I can tell you is that 20 years ago, on the 9th of November, was the first time I taught at the Santa Cruz Endo, and um, we had a lot of fun at the 10th anniversary, So I sure hope you all will come and we will sit and do whatever we do. It's a simple night. It's a simple night. We're doing a regular on 7 o'clock. We have a slightly different program, but I won't go through that. Okay. Um, But we intend to go until 9 o'clock that night. Right. And we have some activities fun. Great. So the mystery night. I'm not in charge. So this is good. And then um, also, right after that, on the 13th, 14th, and 15th, Russell and I are teaching one of our weekends on intimate relationship that we do and on working with relationship as practice. So we have room for one more couple. If any of you are interested in that, there are flyers over on the table. There's a number of people here. We have... um, Pardon? Inani. Inani, right. And Alex and Michelle and Raina and Ed back there. So if you want to find out about it, people can tell you without asking me. And Diana. So we would love to have another couple. It's a great way to work with your relationship as practice. Anything else, please? Is the monthly class on aging, illness, and death going to be on Monday? Yes, yes. Happening Monday at noon. This is this month. I'm doing it. So, yeah. Any anything else, please? Um, I'm leaving with my husband for a long trip with an unknown return date. So I wanted to thank everyone. I've been coming, I guess, about a year and a half to the sangha, and it's been a great support of my practice. And I hope to practice with you all here again at some point in the future, but I don't know when or if that will happen. So, thank you. Thank you. Next Thursday is tea and cookies. Tea and cookies next Thursday. If you want to bring cookies, that'd be great. If you want to bring chips or carrots or anything that you'd like, please um, crumpets. Crumpets. Tea and crumpets, so you have it. Michelle, you got it. Okay.
Martin and then Axel. The mention of cookies did remind me of one little detail of our anniversary that is worth mentioning. Food. Well, we're going to actually have a cake, and we're going to order that. But we're also doing a cookie potluck. Um, so, um, so please, um, anyone that wants to bring cookies can bring cookies that evening. And we also uh, will probably be making special requests for flowers um, that we'll be working with Heidi and her group to um, populate the place with perhaps more flowers than often is the case. So we might as well make that an announcement now. So cook, bake cookies and flowers and mark your calendar for the 12th. Great. Should we skip cookies this month? We just have tea. More cookies, the better. Axel. Um, I'm in a capoeira class, and one of the gals there, um, his mom, uh, has come down with cancer. Uh, melanoma spread her along from other places, and uh, I promised I would uh, bring it up here. Hopefully, I don't know her name, so people just put it in their meta circles. And Great. I have also a friend of mine who's come down with stage four colon cancer. Mm. We're going to do the meta a little differently tonight, so you'll have a chance to oh, put that in. Great. So just to mention um, that there are Donna baskets chance to support the Sangha. Um, we certainly can use your support. It's, I think it's been a little thin recently, so um, we do need to pay the rent. So please, um, your generosity is what supports this place. Um, we don't charge fees. We don't have membership. Um, we just take a deep breath and it happens. So, um, But it helps if you know that we need you, I think. so. And there's also a basket for the teachings. So this is what I want to do for the metta. I do this a lot when I teach retreats, and as I was doing it last week in Mississippi, I thought, well, gee, why don't we do it on Thursday night? It's fun. So this is a little metta chant, and it has it's in Pali, but there's only four words. So we'll do it call and response a few times. And then after you get the little phrase down, and we've chanted it a few times, um, we'll stop. And then we can put out a concern. Any concern, someone like one of Alex's friend or... I'm sorry, I've really got my L's and X's. L's and X's um, mixed up tonight. Axel's friend or anybody else who's of concern or a group that's of concern. And we'll do that for a little bit. We won't be here all night, I promise you. And then at some point, I'll ring the bell and we'll stop and then we'll offer the merit, and that will be our metta practice for this evening. So it combines a little bit of chanting, which I sometimes hear people would like to do more of, and some metta. So the four words are sabe, sata, suki, hontu. A few of you probably know this, because I think we've done it at our retreat. Sabe, sata, suki, hontu. And it means, simply, may all beings be happy. That's all. So we'll, I'll do it call and response, one word at a time, and we'll do that a couple of times, and then we'll chant it all together. Um, when we chant it all together, let's do it three times all together, and then we'll pause, and I'll just wait for somebody to put in something, and then we'll chant it one more time, and then we'll wait, and someone will put in 
someone else, and we'll go like that for a little while. Okay? Sabe. Sata Suki Three times. Sabe Sata Suki Hontu Sabe Sata Suki Hontu Sabe Sata Suki Hontu. Shauna's aunt and her family. Sabe Sata Suki Hantu. For the Capoeira girl and her mom. Sabe Sata Suki Hantu.
for those who are hungry today. Save Sata Suki for all who are dying tonight. Save Sata Suki And now all together three more times. Save Sata Suki together this evening and we offer this merit for the benefit of all of these beings that all beings may be happy that all beings may be peaceful and that all beings everywhere may be free so I invite you to take a moment and find someone near you preferably whom you don't know and greet them and know as you greet them that they are of the age of the nature to sicken and age and die and who knows really appreciate them thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.